Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 8, Episode 33. This is Writing Excuses, making non-human characters relatable. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're all orcs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a goblin. <laughs> that should not have worked, Dan. You should feel ashamed of yourself. Pika, but we're all laughing. Pika, if you, uh, oh. if you right. can't tell by the background noise, we are still in the uh, the Woodthrush Woods. Yeah, the Woodthrush Woods uh, basement, surrounded by uh, attendees here at the first ever out of excuses seminar right. and retreat who are actually procrastinating doing their writing that they should be doing by listening to us we are giving them an excuse um we are writing excuses yes all right how do we make non-human characters relatable this is a classic problem in science fiction and fantasy in that we want to be able to write interesting new races and interesting new perspectives but the more weird we go the less people want to read the stories from an emotional level because they can't relate to the characters. Well, the, I had a story that was um, all alien all the time. And one of the things that I did was looked at the way a lot of different human cultures mm -hmm. are set up. And I, so I started looking for things that people had in common across different cultures. And those basically came down to a desire for shelter, mm -hmm. a desire for safety, a desire for food and a desire for sex. It, you know, yep. <laughs> procreation mm -hmm. in some form. Um, so those are things that a human reader can relate to. Mm -hmm. You know, the, and once I, I know the, you know, that my character needs shelter, all I then have to do is explain to my reader why the shelter that they are seeking is something desirable. Right, what, why it's appropriate for their race mm -hmm. and how that works for them. Uh, Ian Banks, um, who you know we we lost recently, yes. which is very very saddening. Um, I love his culture novels, and uh, Look to Windward is my least favorite of the openings of those novels because it opens on a battlefield with aliens fighting aliens, and we are empathizing with aliens. And I had, as a reader, I had a difficult time. Uh, difficult time coming up to speed. By the end of the book, I was on board, and, and, I, and I love these aliens. Um, but uh, looking at my reaction 
uh, a lot of it's readerly. From, a, from the writer's standpoint, Mary, he was doing exactly what you were describing. These people do not want to get shot. They love each other. They don't want either one to die. Um, and they're in a situation where somebody is going to have to say goodbye. It was very poignant, but me as a reader, I, I wasn't I didn't, ready for it. I yet. wasn't ready for it yet. You know, looking at this concept, um, I like to break it down and and back up a little bit and mm. say, why are you writing the non-human character? Mm. Um, that's not a why in the world would you do this. No, we all want to do it. But what are your goals in approaching this? Is it because you've developed a really interesting race and you want to highlight some aspect of that race? And in that case, you have the weird that you should then probably blend with the familiar, which are things that Mary's talking about. Um, or, you know, familiar sort of personality tropes. You can take what we know of people and we can, you can impose a culture on it and then add this weirdness. It's that, that whole blending. Um, I've shared this story before, um, but one of my favorite books with a non-human species is A Fire Upon the Deep by Werner Vinge. And A Fire Upon the, Be the Deep has these wonderful group mind animals that will together form, they're like basically dogs that will form a pack that becomes one individual. And then if one, in one of them dies, the pack will scatter and they form a new individual with other members of five. And it's wonderful. And I recently reread it and realized these things talk just like people. I had remembered how alien they were, but in the actual text, it was amazing to me as a writer to see just how human they were. They used slang. They used, it was their own slang, but they, they talked like people, which I was actually very refreshed by. I'm like, Werner Vinge is one of the great science fiction writers of our time. And it's okay. It was like permission to make your aliens talk like people, even though they had this one really bizarre aspect of their culture, which was fascinating to read about, despite the fact that he didn't, he didn't take a hundred steps and make them have weird names for everything and have them, you know, be completely unrelatable. He made them people who have a fragment, you know, who have a body that's in five different pieces. Yeah, well, and the reason that that works, the reason he, I assume he did it, is because making them so normal in one aspect yeah. allows you to sell the incredibly weird other yeah. aspect. And it really worked. Um, and it, the weird thing about it, though, was that I remembered that weirdness and I expected some sort of, uh, I'll say pretentious, it doesn't mean, you know, but some sort of pretentious otherworldly culture that everything about it is completely bizarre and literary, which is just fine if you want to do that. <clears throat> um, but it, he didn't do that. He did something that was more accessible and relatable with this fascinating aspect to it. And I thought it was wonderful. Which, which actually, I think that that's something that you can get away with. Uh, were there people, were there yes, humans in there the story? Yes, there were humans in the story. Um, and, um, but the, the, the humans were not, for the first half of the story, not interacting much with these things. They have their own world and humans, you know, crash land on it basically yeah. and get embroiled in their politics. Yeah. I think that you can do that, um, to a greater extent when there are not humans there, mm -hmm. that when there are humans that having that, that the more the character sounds human, right. the, the more it's kind of going to trigger a little bit with the Well, the and you know, that is a good thing to p point out because I'm just thinking about this. If you look in the book, there are also other characters that are off on a space station interacting. And the non-humans they interact with act far more alien when they're in conversations. It's only when we're the viewpoint of the dog species that they feel so human, mm -hmm. um, which is an interesting way to look at it. In, in some ways, I think maybe because I haven't read this particular book, mm -hmm. but it sounds like what he's doing is essentially uh, doing some cultural translation. Yeah. 
and that's probably what it is when you're in the head of but he does have that when you talk to the plant species people are interpreting with them and they seem really bizarre from the human's perspective but when you're in the head of the other species it works real well you know i've i've said this before i'll say it again eyebrows boom okay there you are um I, Let, let's go back to your hobby horse yeah, well i just i i need to be able to tell a joke with mm -hmm. the characters whether they're alien or human or whatever and so i have to give them facial features that allow me to tell a joke with them to emote with them mm -hmm. the most difficult thing i ever undertook uh was the uh yomingan race where they had an arm on top of their head, mm -hmm. and their faces were built upside down so mm -hmm. that they could literally have hand-to-mouth mm -hmm. as an expression because I wanted to tell the hand-to-mouth joke. And then I had to do this whole... <laughs> the lengths you go this, to. The, oh, I know. It's the, the horrible things that happen mm -hmm. when I commit to a joke. Mm -hmm. um, Which is, again, getting back to the, why are you making this yes. alien mm -hmm. species? Well, yeah, and, and that's, once I told the joke, I couldn't back away from it. That's, mm -hmm. You have to commit to it. Um, but uh, the upside-down faces, uh, when we went back to the planet, and I realized, man, I need to draw half a dozen different recognizable characters. They all need to emote. And when the faces are upside-down, um, I can't tell if they're smiling or angry, even though I have a system right. for making this work. Um, and it, it was very problematic and very difficult, and so we stayed on the planet for not very long when I realized <laughs> it wasn't working. So now you know. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, let's stop for our book of the week. Um, our book of the week this week is Thief of Time by Terry Pratchett, which I just recently read. If you haven't heard me pitch Pratchett before, I came to him late, so I'm slowly working my way through them. And I've kind of discovered there's a golden age of Pratchett. Um, and it, it starts right around this time of Thief of Time. And it has books like Night Watch, and it has books like The Truth, which are my, my favorites. And this is the last of the death cycle. Um, it was awesome. Um, and beautifully, wonderfully written. And if you want to read Pratchett, but you haven't ever, you know, picked him up, The Death Cycle is actually one of the shortest, but most fun. I think there's only five books in it, and it starts with Mort, um, and it goes through, and you can just read the books about death and his granddaughter um, in, in a sequence, and they're very fun, and this is the last one. I absolutely love it. Pratchett is a true genius. Um, if you haven't tried him before, you're really missing out. I've said before that he's the best satirist yeah. alive mm -hmm. uh there's argument to be made that he's uh, one of the very best authors no yeah I, I i would say in science fiction fantasy there is nobody writing better than terry pratchett right now audiblepodcast.com slash excuse start a 30-day free trial membership and get yourself a copy of thief of time by terry pratchett or start the death cycle with mort
yep. by Terry Pratchett. All right, now Dan, I'm going to throw something at you because Ooh. one of the fun things about um, the <laughs> well, <laughs> both oh, there went a pen. Um, the fun thing about um, the first serial killer novel. Uh, the first John mm -hmm. Cleaver novel, is that you have a non-human character who is more human than the main character who is a human. Yes, but I kind of cheated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wasn't trying to do the same thing that you get in a lot of the science fiction stuff where it's this super alien race. My demons in the serial killer series are all very specifically parasitic of human society. They mm -hmm. want to be human. Or in the case of uh, the the villain in the second book, Mr. Monster... He's gleefully just devoid of any human qualities whatsoever. And that's what his character is based on, is the fact that he is different and he doesn't care. Um, the, the bad guy in the first one, like you say, that, that was kind of what the whole book was built around, is I wanted to have this non-human monster who was more human than the human. That's a lot of the word human in one yes. sentence. <laughs> yes, but um, it works beautifully. But it works, and it's it's because he's trying so hard to be human. He mm -hmm. wants to be. He loves it. He loves his wife. He doesn't want to be the monster that he is. And giving him that kind of emotional grounding, it, it was such a stark contrast to the to, to the rest of the characters. And so it's it's a little, like I say, it's a little bit of a cheat. Okay. And and you have to be in a very specific situation to take advantage of it. Well, I've seen it done other ways. In fact, um, one of the most common ways that we run into th what you're talking about is when we write AIs. In mm -hmm. fact, Mary, well, you I have did. written AIs. And you make them relatable despite the fact that they are basically compared to humans. They have divine powers. You do the same thing, Howard. These godlike individuals that um, that we are fleas compared to how do you make them relatable? Well, the, the way I'm doing it is that um, I'm, in, with the AIs, I'm deciding that the people who designed them mm -hmm. would have designed them to be relatable. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so each AI customizes itself to be attractive to the, to the person it is interfacing with. So, mm -hmm. um, so I have Meta, who in, in Kiss Me Twice makes herself look like Mae West. Right. Um, and to the main... Character. To the main character, and to someone else, she looks like a truck. So you know, it's it's picking the thing that you're that you find appealing and and making yourself look like that, which is something we all do to but some see, extent. Here's the thing that makes it work, though, um, because you hint at um, both of you how alien they really are. Mm -hmm. In certain moments, there's like this almost horrifying factor where the reader or the main uh, main character realizes. This thing is acting relatable, but if I truly had to try to understand it, there's no way I could. And that frightens people. Yeah. And, and actually, one of the things that, uh, that happens in the novel, uh, novella is um, that there's a point where something goes wrong and all of the interfaces suddenly look all the same. Mm -hmm. And because we have established by that point the, the alienness that she looks different to everybody, the fact that suddenly she looks the same to everybody is the freakish thing. Right. Right. Howard, your AIs, how do you make them relatable? Again, with the eyebrows. Um, <laughs> they, well, you do more than that. I know I, know, I, I, know I do, but... Uh, uh, you give them passions. As, yeah, well, I give, them, I give them passions, and I give them uh, avatars. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike, unlike Mary, the, uh, the, uh, with Kiss Me Twice, um, my AI avatars are how they appear to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, 
<laughs> because I don't want to have to draw 50 different characters for the same character because um, <laughs> I'm lazy that way. But uh, the avatar itself develops a personality for the reader. We look at that avatar and it's a cute teddy bear or it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a maraca or uh, whatever. Um, and then when we step into, when, when we step past the the uh, human facing side mm -hmm. of the avatar and look at what's going on on the other side um, I will often use the avatar and have it communicating a little differently mm -hmm. uh, recently I took uh, Tagi and um, drove her irrevocably insane yes. and the avatar in her own head changed appearance very horrifying uh, and has and has continued to change appearance mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in, I, in its I like new the location new kind of Chibi version. The new chibi mm. version of, of Tagi, and the readers online are speculating about what that means, mm -hmm. um, which has me clapping my hands with glee because it means it's working. Right. I, I thought of one other thing um, that we're, we're all kind of skirting around, which is that uh, having a human gateway character, the thing mm -hmm. that I'm actually really doing that makes my character relatable is that I have a human gateway character right. who cares about them and right. who understands them. And a really good example of how this works where you can take somebody who is totally alien is Chewbacca. Right. The Chewbacca-Han right. Solo relationship works. The reason Chewbacca, we care about Chewbacca and we relate to him is because of the relationship he has with Han. Because Han Solo gives him context so that we can understand what is happening with him. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes. And that's why the Star Wars Christmas special didn't work. Because actually, no. <laughs> no, there's so many. Oh, well, is that the only reason? <laughs> oh. Well, no, but that it's does explain Lucas it. You put, you. you put a bunch of Wookiees in the room, there's nobody for us to relate to, and mm -hmm. they're all just grunting at each other. With well, anyway. Um... <laughs> Let's not analyze the Star Wars Christmas special too far. <laughs> that rabbit hole. The um, Boba Fett cartoon was cool. Yes. Um, I'll wrap this uh, podcast up by kind of going back to the, the why. And for me, the why of including the non-human characters is because it allows me to highlight the aspect of science fiction and fantasy that I love, which is why I'm writing science fiction and fantasy. I can therefore write a race that highlights some aspect of the weirdness of my fiction, that is the inherent draw. It's why I'm going to this. The world building. Um, I'm, you know, the second wave King's book. I'm the Parshendi. I'm writing viewpoints from them. <clears throat> and the purpose for that is for me to explore this. For me to say, this is fantasy. These, this is a race that could not exist on our planet. A, you know, this is not something you can find in a remote part of Earth. This is completely different. And yes, I'm going to make them relatable. I'm going to make them have these passions and emotions and things like that. But there's going to be something weird because it's fun. Because it's why I do what I at do. At risk of looking at the other side of the same coin, mm -hmm. um, I think that we write the aliens because they allow us to more clearly define aspects of humanity. Mm -hmm. Because I just, just as you define a superhero by contrasting it with a villain, mm -hmm. um, humanity in science fiction and fantasy is defined in large measure by the traits that we identify with in the alien and, and the things that we pull out and treat as alien. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the Howard camp. I mean, I, I also have mm -hmm. written things where I'm, I'm like, this is really cool. If there was an alien that was like that, mm -hmm. I've done the gee whiz factor, mm -hmm. but the stories that I tend to be attracted to mm -hmm. as a reader and this is personal reading preference, mm -hmm. are the ones that where the, the something about that alien race allows me to understand an aspect of 
real life and humanity right. in a way that I wouldn't be able well, to. Well, and that is the other big core of science fiction yeah. and fantasy is the ability to explore our world through extremes mm -hmm. or through contrasts. Yes. Oh, yeah. Pretentious literary moment. Bam. Okay. There we are. Dan. Okay. I, I have an example that I'm going to extend into a writing prompt for you guys. Um, in the partials books that I've written, the partials themselves are essentially human, but they have a pheromonal communication system yeah. that completely changes the way they interact with each other and with the humans. And so that's your writing prompt. Just come up with uh, an alien species, you know, some kind of non-human species that has a distinctly different form of communication and then have them have a conversation with a human being. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.